Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Double G here with a little bit of intro to get you set for the free podcast this week, which is Scott Edwards, the five-star Joshi Show. Uh, on this episode, Scott does... Uh, a look at uh, stardom in 2023. As everybody knows, Scott is our Joshi guy. The five-star Joshi show is his baby. And uh, he has uh, Trent on, who he has as a, a regular guest on, on the Patreon show. And they just go over the state of stardom in 2023. And, uh, and then they take some questions, and there's some Q&A action going on, but it's about, uh, it's, it's a pretty deep dive into the Q&A. It's probably about an hour and a half of, of just Scott and Trent talking about stardom and also uh, answering f- questions from folks. Uh, so we're going to play that here in a second. Before that, I just want to shout out or maybe draw some attention to uh, our, our YouTube channel. We talk about the Patreon a lot. The Patreon is where we uh, we have you know our members, the folks who you know pay a little bit of money to listen to the Monday through Friday network with some bonus shows happening every once in a while on the weekend. But the YouTube channel is also something that we've just been working on uh, you know for a couple years now. YouTube is really hard. <laughs> it's just figuring out how to get subscribers and drive views and the algorithm and all this stuff um you know we we've we've worked really hard on it there there's still so many things we could do if i always say you know if i didn't have a job i could probably figure out a lot of these problems but you know though it's just something that we uh we are you know we're growing we're happy with all the live stream content we now have uh every week we have the Wednesday Dynamite show live streaming right after Dynamite is over, about 20 minutes after it is over. And then the next day, which is Thursday, we have Speaking of Strong Style, Jeremy Finestone and Stephen Conway. They do a weekly show that uh, the video is on YouTube. They stream every Tuesday. And then the powerhouse, uh, the power bombshells, they are Sunday. They've been going Sundays for a couple years now, I think. Uh, always at 10 a.m., uh, 1 p.m. on uh, Pacific Time, except if they have to be the pre-show for an AEW show. Then they go, uh, uh, th- actually, they they went a little earlier only for the London show because that was a little bit earlier. But they may also be the pre-show for a Sunday pay-per-view. So just wanted to draw some attention to that. You can check out the YouTube channel at youtube.com front slash C front slash fight game media. If you have not subscribed, we would love, love, love for you to subscribe to the channel. So you get some notifications when we do go live. And also, um, 
uh, if you do, if you are a regular watcher, if you're listening to this and you're kind of a regular watcher, what we're trying to get folks to do is also click on that thumbs up when you're watching the stream. Uh, m- my buddy Mike Gilbert from uh, Brace for Impact and the Mike and JD show, you know, he's trying to figure out his own YouTube channel and he says, you know, I think these thumbs up things might be helpful. So I was like, hey, I'll ask our folks to, to start doing that. The thumbs up. Let's test it. Let's see if the thumbs up is is uh, special or not. Okay, before we get to the Scott's show here with Trent, um, just uh, one just quick reminder the Patreon. Obviously, if you have five bucks, uh, and, and, you know, five bucks is a pretty good price for a Patreon, especially when you get as many podcasts. And you know, it's, it's support. You know, some people, they're like, I may not listen to every show, but I really like you guys, and I like content creators and i enjoy hanging out or being in the, on the discord or in the old days I, when i was on facebook i think that that facebook group still exists no matter how uh, how much i wish i could take it down uh and you just want to kind of support like that that works for us too and also the offer that i have is always there which is if you want to give it a test run shoot me an email, gg at fightgamemedia.com. You subscribe for that first month, and I will PayPal or Cash App or Venmo you your $5 back just to try it out. And then you can cancel if you don't dig it and you don't like it. Uh, but that offer still there for that first month for brand new subscribers. I'm willing to do that for you to give it a shot. So patreon.com front slash fightgamemedia. Okay, let's get to Scott and Trent. The State of Stardom 2023 from Scott Edwards, host of the Five Star Joshi Show, which is up every Friday morning on our Patreon. Uh, No fail from Scott here. Scott works really hard, and I know he desperately wants people to, to hear his work. You know, if I could just say support Scott. You know, I'm down. I'm down with that. Just just come to support Scott. Scott works his butt off for this show. So here we go. Five star Joshi show. But I'll, I'll start off by saying this. To me, stardom is still one of easily the best promotions in the world. And it comes down to the talent more than anything. Like the... The booking this year has been sporadic, messy. The tournaments have been underwhelming outside of the five-star Grand Prix. But they still have the most talented roster in the world that it's made it not matter in a lot of ways. Yeah. But Sodom is in an interesting position where obviously they're riding the, the coattails of a couple of really good years and maybe having to then match that with some things that haven't gone right either through their own machinations or through things they can't fully handle. Um, it, it, it does make it difficult, but I do think, yeah, for all of the issues that have maybe come up, the talent have been doing so much good work, and that should be noted when we're talking about these situations. But all of the problems we might have, the talent is still bringing their S game maybe to their own detriment at times. Yeah, they they go all out, right? They... They're an incredible, incredible roster that just 
doesn't have an off switch. And maybe that's a bad thing sometimes. I think we've seen that most recently. And recent numbers in terms of attendance have really led to this conversation, I think, more so than anything. And I, I have not seen this as a perfect year by any means. I have not seen this as a best year. I think both of the past two years have easily been better. However, um, that's why we're here. We're here to conversate. We're here to give our thoughts. Um, and let's uh, let's dive into some of these questions, shall we? I had a lot more than I expected. So we will do our best. Um, some of them are just like regular questions that have nothing to do with the state of stardom. I will answer, we will answer those too. <laughs> um, but we're going to try to hit the state of stardom ones first. Um, so this was from Bowling JD. He was the first one to send me a question. I kind of want him to send me the question, truthfully, um, because I knew his thoughts mostly. So due to stardom's abysmal tag league stardom attendance, which is true, it has been abysmal, mm-hmm. yeah, for, for the two venues that they run the most, Oda Ward and Cork, and very low, the lowest Cork in since Kid and Natsupoi main event in a high-speed title match, which was still restrictions. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Basically, the worst it's been without restrictions since pre-Bushi Road. Right. Um, and questionable booking, various injuries among the roster, and what facets does Stardom need to focus on and change in order to get momentum and buzz back to what they were the last couple years? And I think this is pretty much the best way to open it up because mm. all those things are true. I can't defend the like I can't defend the attempts. I give you reasons for the attempts. Yes. Yeah which I think are very much the real reasons of the attendance. Um, Questionable booking, I kind of highlighted that before we even got into this, right? Um, And various injuries, those are undeniable, can't really. And attendance and and injuries do go hand in hand. Plus, if you look over the past few years, don't count the show that has the IWGP Women's Tournament on it and Fuichan. Goddess Stardom Tag League is not the exciting period per se for Stardom. The, the they're not doing big numbers for the tag league, never have. Um, that being said, let's let's talk about how what do they need to focus on and change. Um, I think my first point here is you got to weather the storm right now more than anything else. You have six crucial people out like six of your if, if arguably if you put 10 people on a on a board the all six might be in your top 10 most important over the past two yeah. years they're all out so you gotta weather the storm you gotta let your roster get better and you gotta just take the losses on the chin right mm. and i think that's they know that with these corkins and the other world like i don't think they're gonna start worry booking anytime soon and going to get like I don't know. They're going to start putting Wonder of Stardom title matches on Corkin. Like, that's not happening. Okay. That's, it's just not. They're trying to, and they're also coming down from what was a great five star final. They had the most people in the Yokohama Budokan until the Crush Gal show the day after. But remind you, you handle losing at the Crush Gals. Right. It's the Crush Gals. They lost to what is like celebrities tough oh no reunion mind you 40 year anniversary for the crush gals um so i don't really count them so that to me biggest yokohama Budokan for a promotion this year mm. in that five-star final 
when it comes to what do they do, like I said, weather the storm first. That is first and foremost, because you want to be fully 100% for Stardom Dream Queendom. I think you need to knock that show out of the park. That is the show you focus on, because mm. that is the show that brings you into the new year. I think there's a conversation to be had that last year's turn, uh, last year's big Stardom Dream Queendom show kind of gave us the setup for this year, which was an odd card. <laughs> yeah, you know, like remember Hiroka Umasaki challenged for the Wonder of Stardom title. That didn't make much sense to me. No. Um, we had the Nanai and you win the tag titles from the most popular tag team in Meltier. That was a bold choice. Mm. Um, just for them to drop the titles on a count up, right? They did a lot of things that were different and we should have maybe we should have known that that's where we were going this year but to me the whole goal needs to be be prepared for dream queendom and knock that show out of the park book your best matches your best matchups with the wrestlers on your roster first and foremost that's why i'm happy sayori you know is getting her title match before it and not there i think mm-hmm. that needs to be a stardom versus stardom setup Unlike last year, where it just made no sense to me, it like it still doesn't make sense to me why Hiroko Masaki got that match. I understand All Star Grand Cinderella, yes, Grand Queendom, Grand Queendom, Grand whatever. There's so many. Okay, we're we're only queens now, no Cinderellas. Uh, All Star Grand Queendom is your big annual show now, like that is locked in for April. But this is your other biggest show. You need to knock this out of the park. So that's. The biggest thing is build towards that. Everything you do, every decision you make from now until December 29th is for that show. Yeah, look, I'm not too worried in the immediacy for stardom because, yes, the numbers have been dismal for these two shows. But, like, if you were living in Tokyo, if you live in Tokyo and you're a stardom regular, you can afford to you know, pick and choose the shows you go to. Would you be going to these shows when they're missing six of their top talents? Probably not. You'd wait until some of these stars get back. If just Sai is missing, you'd probably go, like we saw with the five-star Grand Prix. That was still doing good numbers when she was gone. But you're missing six people. That's like a basketball team losing their, you know, four of their starters. You're not going to expect them to be winning games and bringing in sold-out attendance. It's just not going to happen. But it is sort of maybe an example of a wider concern is that with the you know the current schedule they're working is they asking too much of them and going straight into a, a relatively cold tag league after such a big five star tournament and the pay per view in between it it's probably just you know a little bit of oversaturation asking too much of the roster uh, Dream Queendom absolutely that's what you've got to build to because while Grand Queendom might be the big show that's kind of the number one show now. Dream Queendom is where you're going to bring in the foreign fans. And I know Stardom don't care about white people coming and watching their shows, but like the people are coming over for Wrestle Kingdom. That's the big kind of thing. And even though they're running a show on January 4th as well, Dream Queendom is their kind of way of really stamping their authority. Final show of the year. A lot of people are going to be in the city for it. This is where you really need to announce to everyone. No matter what you thought of Stardom in 2023, Stardom in 2024 is what you want to be involved in. 
Yeah, to me, it's their Wrestle Kingdom, right? It sets the tone mm-hmm. for the new year. It may be at the end of this year, but it sets the tone for the next upcoming year. And I think you absolutely nailed that. I think that is, and how do you do that? <laughs> it's really just getting this roster healthy. Yeah. You take the losses on the chin, you move forward. You're still going to sell a lot of tickets in these areas that you don't go to a lot. Mm. If Tokyo takes a hit, obviously you never want that. But listen, I've seen the numbers. They already won this year. They made more money than they've ever made. They've, yeah. you know, they've done it all. Like this year's set, locked in. It's all about next year. Um, and I Do think you think start- they're throwing the end of this year so they can make next year look really good? Yeah, exactly. Um, I and I think, and I know there's questions about changing things up, so I'll get to that. Um, but I think this year was them trying things, and they learned certain things just don't work. But listen, attendance—I'm not worried about. They did stupidly good on the Dream Tag Festival. <laughs> you know, it's like this product is is still hot. It's not as hot. They also, if I'm not mistaken, I think they have one of, if not the most expensive tickets in wrestling in, jo- in Japan. As someone who went over there in April and bought a couple of tickets for stardom, it's not cheap. I think they have one of, if not the most expensive tickets in, definitely in Joshi. But they in, market themselves as a premium product. Like they do. Back last year, they announced like we're focusing on making Stardom a premium product. Yeah. Yeah. Despite the fact there's more Stardom shows than ever, it is all about like high yeah. cost but high value. So yeah. And I think also to remember, every other company in Japan still trying to come back from the COVID mm. stuff. Stardom just was the only company that avoided that for, yeah. and. I think they're still going to mostly avoid it when they have all their, you know, all their tools back because they have just such an incredible roster to go. Mm. Um, But I think this is a great question because we could go on and on about this question. Um, I think there's like a lot of different things they can do. Like I would stop running or bring back these old time wrestlers. That's (laughs) just something I would do because I don't think that creates any buzz. I think it's a waste. Especially when most of the older wrestlers appearing in other shows. Like, it, it's yeah. one thing if they haven't wrestled for five to ten years. Right. And it's not like you're bringing, like, Nagayo back. Yeah. Right? For one show, and she hasn't wrestled in years. It's hmm. No, it's not that. You're bringing people back that you can go see at Oz Academy, and no one wants to do that because it's Oz Academy. Like, they have their fans. Yeah. Play to your stardom fans. You know, the, the dream tag, as you said, is the really exciting thing because that was a non-canon show, which mm-hmm. is all about just using the talent that you do have in yeah. fun ways. And like, that's kind of what they've been experimenting a bit with the Stardom in Showcase, maybe with this Halloween show coming up. But yeah. like the dream tag nailed the formula. Yeah. To me, they're going to bring that back year after year. It creates mm-hmm. voting. It creates conversation but, uh, amongst fans. It's too good to pass up. The, the positive number i'm pretty i'm pretty confident they bring that back don't bring the old people shows back i don't you don't need to because you don't need to pump a number out of their fans you don't yeah. need that for stardom um i just think it's it's not something i want to see and, and that's just, like bring them both back during the five star grand prix oh yeah well that's a long term conversation more than maybe <laughs> anything um Let's let's next question. Uh Xavier. Of course injuries happen, but if you look the company post Grand Queen of Care Dupree, well, there's been some good. It seems like Rossi's been one of those periods of just kinda 
doing things, <laughs> which is true. What do you think needs to happen to get them back on track? Reset, changes, etc. I think we're seeing it with how he's booked the five-star. He's done going off track. Because I think there's a conversation to be had. While people loved me to share Kyle winning, that messed up a lot of this year. Yes. And while I think Mia Sherikawa getting her moment was great, awesome, you either had to go all in on that reign or and move Mariah's back, like to so it's a respectable reign, mm. or <laughs> not do it at all. We got, we instead got, let's see how we can do both. And I think that <laughs> while, you know, good because you get made fans happy or whatever, did it really make some fans happy? Like, I have to hear about Mina all the time now. You know, like, I don't think it made people, it made people happy in the moment, but Rossi's best when he sticks to the plan. We've seen it in the past couple of years, right? He's stuck to the plan, whether it's with Julia, um, Shuri. I still think that was the plan. Uh, <laughs> like you could say, like the rumors could say Julia was running that five star. Shuri held the bell for a year. That felt like the plan. Um, or if, even if it wasn't, you went all in on her. Right, that's mm. what you should have done with Mina. Um, so that's my reset get back to the way you've been booking, right? Get back to buy your book, Rossi, because I think that is when stardom's at his best. When you're you're you can't appease everyone, you can't stick to the plans and go off plan, like you can't do that. And I think that's really hurt the year. Like, Tam could be champion, but Tam even losing to Mariah is weird because it's like that's hung over that ring as mm-hmm. well. Um, and I think that's just part of my problem overall. And I think that is the main reset I would do. Get back to the strategy that you've been doing for a while. The, the meaner thing, and I'll talk about the main question as, as well, but the meaner thing I felt like was kind of a missed opportunity in storytelling, because if you're going to give Mina the very short reign, you've either got to make a story out of it or not really do it. And then it was capitulated by then doing the Goddess of Stardom tag reign as well. She lost the white belt, turned her attention to the Goddess belt. She won that and dropped that immediately too. So instead of having one feel-good moment, they ended up developing two moments where it's like, okay, well, Mina can't actually hang here on the top. She can get lucky, but she can't hang when it's really being asked of her. There's a good story that you could tell there where it's like, well, Mina's still kind of hung over on the Cosmic Angels situation. You know, she loses to Tam after finally getting a moment in the sun. She loses the title with uh, uh, Mariah May. But was to Natsapoin Sarayanu, was it? So, yeah. Yeah, so again, like the Cosmic Angels coming in and wrecking her moment. Even the, the one title defense she did get was against Natsapoi, also for Cosmic Angels, just trying to kind of ruin her fun. There's a good story you could tell there, but it kind of feels like that was never the plan in that. And now she's just kind of hanging around. If you're going to do that kind of short reign and big loss, you've got to do something with it so it actually feels important. But mm-hmm. as it was, you know, it feels like that wasn't the plan at all. Mariah was always meant to be the champion. They had to push that back. Uh, they tried to sate that with the tag reign, which didn't do her any favours. No. Didn't really do Mina any favours by giving her that short reign. Didn't do Tam any favours by winning and then immediately losing it to Mariah. And, yeah, it definitely feels like they tried to do too much in a situation yeah. just to get to the original booking. So, yeah, you either got to go all in on the original booking or all in on the changes. Coupled with, like, 
Megan Bain, I thought she did a great job in her main event match with Tam Nakano. But you look at the main event matches for a lot of these shows Stardom have had, it's a lot of non-Stardom talent or yeah. talent that the, the Ross, like the audience isn't super familiar with yet. Like even Suzu is much more into. Benefit. Yeah. Like it, it's all, you look at the previous years, you might have one or two of these situations, but you're putting the Stardom original talent in there and giving them that chance to grow. I don't mind a bit of it. Uh, but it's felt like maybe too much this year and coupled yeah. with some other questionable booking decisions, it hasn't really lined up. The one thing I will give him, though, is one of my big complaints for stardom in storytelling is non-championship stories. In between All-Star Grand Queendom and the Five Star Grand Prix, we got their best story yet in Queen's Quest and Oedo Tie. That's the kind of stuff I would kind of like to see them do more of, especially if they're going to run all these pay-per-views Give us some stories that don't have titles but have meaning to fill these pay-per-view matches. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree because I think that's the story that a lot of people are going to remember from this year. Mm. Um, and I think overall, you know, stories has been interesting. They've done a lot of start and stop with those as well. Yeah, um, It feels like, you know, we don't have the big overarching story for this year like we have the past two years and mm-hmm. getting back to that, getting back to the destination is very important. And I, again, I know injuries happen, but there's a good chance that Tommy wasn't winning that five-star grand prix if reports to be believed that yeah. felt like your overarching story, which if that's the case, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I will. I will. have been struggling for the entire year. It's not just this one yes. period that we're building towards. Yes. Um, it's just, it's a little more, um, apparent now Mm. um let me i want to before we kind of get into the rest of these which there are a lot so thank you everyone who sent in questions i will make sure to answer them all maybe a little shorter on some of them but we will answer (laughs) them all um i will want to say uh saya kamatani has broken her silence i feel like i should bring this up now while we're talking about the year-end stuff um i kind of saved it for now it's exciting that Sai is back. Mm. You know, once the Sai interview came out, we were to me it was like, all right, so she's she's coming back. Um, and I miss Sai a lot. Like I miss Sai Kamatani a lot. You don't real like because she was on top for so long, you really don't realize how much you miss someone until they're gone. That's just how it always works. Mm. And the five star. I saw some people say it was the best five star, yada, 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 just because every show had something incredible. For me, once Saya was out, the five star was never going to fulfill the potential I thought it had because Saya was just on such another level um, with that Wonder of Storm title reign. You know, we we talked about it. Some people started to fall off of it with the Umasaki, Saray, Watanabe match, and then she had the Hazuki and Mina matches, and you're like, oh, never mind, oh, idiots. Mm-hmm. And then and then they had the great story in the middle of the year, so it's like, oh, we're all building up the Sai and Utami, and then she wasn't there. And so to me, that just completely, you know, for me, it was brutal overall, mm-hmm. um, just not having her here. So let's just a few uh, notes from that. Um, I'm gonna give a credit to at sg underscore oxxt for translating a good amount of this or at least a lot of the important parts of it um so we can kind of dissect it so 
One of the things she said, honestly, I'm scared to fly again. However, I've been doing a lot of studying during my rest. I want everyone to watch how the Phoenix with its broken ring will come, uh, wing will come back. So one of the main things she said is she's been watching Western wrestling. And I was like, okay, so you just watch a Kota Bushi match. It sounds good. Uh, <laughs> um, and that she doesn't expect to be as flashy anymore. And I've talked to some people, instant concern <laughs> for them, because I think that's a lot of obviously what makes Saya special. I think that is to almost temper expectations. So when she's in that big title match and she breaks out the Phoenix Flash again or something, you're it's that much more special. I think mm-hmm. her kind of changing to more of some more strikes and stuff like that wouldn't be bad for her either. Um, it's also safer. You know, she she is someone who can do like the spinning jump kick and hit someone in the face. Like she can she can do strikes. I'm pretty yeah. sold on that. Um, another point she had was my injuries are much better. I've already resumed basic training at the dojo, but I still have a sense of fear. To be honest, she talked about how she thought about retiring, which I think is an important part. Which I think happens to a lot of people that have bad injuries like that. Mm. It definitely creeps into your mind. But the fact that her recovery is so ahead of time is really what you wanted to see when it comes to Saya Kamatani. I'll get through all of this. Um, she said with Utami-san, but Utami-san was always by her side and gave her words of encouragement, which is always nice. Obviously, we Especially love Especially after the story they had this year. Yes, we love those two together. Um, and the most interesting part from a story standpoint is that she did not talk about Tim. One bit. Um, <laughs> Tam is the person she got hurt against. Tam is the person we all expect her to wrestle at the year-end event mm-hmm. for the title. No, no. She said Suzu Suzuki. Um, I have a very strong sense of jealousy towards Suzu Suzuki. When I come back, I will take everything from her. Suzu winning the belt. <laughs> no. She not. Don't get your hopes up, Scott. Um, but hear me out. If anything, this is a misdirect. I think it is too. But when are you going to do that match? You can't just talk about like these. The if you haven't figured out that yet, these Tokyo sports promos are meaningful because they do story based stuff. Yeah, it's kayfabe. <sighs> just saying. This Susan, is startled. They do stories like they'll they'll leave little niggles of story. I like that though. And come back to it in a year's time. I'm happy with that though. This is a story for me to look forward to. I've been mm, looking mm. for the damn Saya Suzu match since they had the five star Grand Prix tease. Yes. Right? They're like, oh, here comes the title match. <laughs> here comes the title. No. Oh, okay. We're just never gonna do that. Um, so that's exciting to me. I don't think she's actually gonna win the tournament, but you better hope she doesn't, people, or you are going to hear it. Anyway. I know I'll hear it too because it's like, oh yeah, she's definitely Anyways, joining stardom. I'm happy I nailed that one. I was also told this week that I kind of said that she might win the five star and Micah would be a finalist, which is pretty Yeah, nice. it was it was not the first thing you said. Uh it was enough. Yeah, like when we were throwing names at a wall basically and you did say Susan, so and I'll I said Micah would be one. in the final. Yes, you did. Um, I have have my buttons. I'd hit the Roman Reigns acknowledge (laughs) me, but I don't have it. Um, (laughs) The Saikamatani situation is interesting. I do think 
like the, the the comments of flying less is a combination of what you're saying and like you know building a little bit of maybe tempered expectations so when yeah. she does hit the big moves you're eye-catching but it, it would also make sense because a lot of wrestlers they start out super flashy in doing this you know a lot of spinny athleticism stuff and after their first major injury they come back and they tone it down a little bit more like the perfect example is will osprey yeah, he came in super flashy super flashy him more than yeah, and then started to change his style to still do the flashy stuff because he's still capable of it, but make those moments feel more important and more impressive and supplement that with more uh, more of a traditional wrestling style, more strike-heavy stuff. So I can, Kamatani can find that middle ground. Not only is she going to extend her career because she's going to risk herself less with these injury situations, but she's going to be a more interesting wrestler for it. It would just be interesting to see what she's incorporated, and you know, maybe maybe she's been talking to a Tami who's got a very different style, and finding a middle ground, or talking to some of the people in the Stardom roster that you can't say that you've talked to because they're in different factions. But if if Shuri came in and said, "Hey, Sire, you do some spinny stuff. Let's put a nice kick on the end of that," I wouldn't yeah. be opposed to it. Yeah, I'm pretty sold on Sire coming back with more kicks. That's what I. I'm like, that's the evolution that I need for mm. Kamatani. Yeah. Um, this was to bring us into Pep's question. We are expecting Kamatani, Tam, at Queendom, which is a match we've seen countless times, including side dethroning Tam for a championship. So the story is flat to me. Mm-hmm. Is side injury a maybe a blessing in disguise for the match and the story they will tell? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna stare. Absolutely. Because I remember when I saw the room oh, when I saw the Meltzer report, I was like you know, run that again. Mm. But now with the side injury, I think anything's going to be a good story to tell with her coming back. That just happens to be the same person. She wrestled the match. She got hurt. So you can, you can play off that. You can introduce the new side Kamatani maybe in that match, though. I would give her a few matches before that personally, mm. uh, but still you'll introduce the big main event side Kamatani in a whole new way. Um, I, I ultimately think that's, it is like, you never want injuries to happen, but it is the best way, if this has been the plan all along, to refresh in this story and to tell a different story. Uh, because I just, I never saw, um, you know, part of me thinks she was going to beat Utami in that final, maybe, and that was going to be part of the story. Now you could retell it in a different way. And listen, I, I, I think we kind of forget this part because we're like, we're, you know, we're, we're like, ah, we're again. However, however, Tam versus Saya is a phenomenal combo. So, yeah. you know, just saying. They, they, they've had some of the best matches in Stardom, and getting the chance to see another one of those is always exciting. I do agree, after the white belt run that she had, I wasn't mentally prepared to have another Saya Kamatani in the main event challenging for belts. Uh, that's part of the reason when the news came out, the rumours about Sai winning the five-star Grand Prix, I did let out a little bit of a, because oh, I feel like she needed that time away to kind of, it's kind of similar to Shuri, how like she had the SWA belt yeah. and was in a lot of semi-mains and then went straight into the red belt run for a year. I was worried they were going to do that with Sai Kamatani. Uh, now though, like I feel like she's going to lose to Tam. And this will give her a chance to kind of reset. And you have the 
the sympathy surrounding her suffering such an injury, just like in the same way people really rallied behind Mina Shirakawa after her injury. I think you're seeing the same thing with Sai Kamatani, and that does work well. And if she loses to Tam after beating her twice in these big matches, you can use the I'm still not quite mentally there because a lot of her white belt run was her doubting herself, not being 100% confident in herself. You've got all these more reasons now why that's going to affect her heading into Dream Queendom. And you can tell a fascinating story where maybe by the end of next year, she does win that red belt and it feels very much like the Julia situation, a lot more natural and organic. And these injuries have kind of, as much as yet, you don't want injuries to happen. It's kind of worked out for the best. I will say this. Could be Suzu. Just saying. <laughs> You're going to disappoint yourself. Um, the one thing I will say. No, no, you, no. You know what's no more disappointing to me? Tam retaining. I would like to see Sire and Utami make amends after everything that happened and Aphrodite have a good tag run through the first half of 2024. That'd be a nice way to. That's what I would do. Have a loser dream queendom. Utami picks her back up and gets her confidence going again, leading into a championship win at the end of the year. Yeah, we have my we need to talk about as well. Uh, yes. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, this is also from Paps Bushiroad. Seems to ha- make stardom like the male version of New Japan. And we've been seeing that, especially with the schedule recently. 21 pay-per-views for stardom, 20 big shows for New Japan in Japan in 2023. Uh, what needs to change so that stardom can keep up the schedule? Bushiroad gives them more signings, more championships, more special pay-per-views. Um, and they also clarified just more pay per views. That's just what we're asking for. Uh, I, I think when special pay per views, it was more like the themed ones, I guess, or the like the dream tag or something. Yeah, like. that's that's a theme, sure. Um, Stardom sees star, uh, Bushi Road sees Stardom in terms of scheduling, promoting in the similar light. Um, and the best way to look at the pay per views, I think we have to remember this. So someone pointed out in the comments that, you know, pay-per-views are different for us compared to mm. them in Japan. Like, there, a lot of those are on TV, so they're not actually pay-per-views. They're specials, right, mm. um, comparably to what we witness. Uh, so what needs to change to keep the schedule Bushiro gives them? Um, more wrestlers. I think that's, like, part of the... Part of what works for stardom, and I don't, I don't need a million foreigners in, but like that helps, you know, mm-hmm. it takes the pressure off. Not putting them all in one faction <laughs> probably would also help. <laughs> uh, you know, you keep me and Waka fresh. All right, cool. Um, I think that's something. I think more signings is always expected at the year end. I think they mm-hmm. bring in two, three wrestlers again. I don't know who. Don't know who's a free agent yet, so we'll see. But I do think that's very possible and very likely, as they should, because you want to keep pumping that roster up, making them better and better. Uh, more championships. This is always an interesting discussion. And if I if I was smart, I think there's another question. If I was smart, I'm not, so I'm not prepared. Um, <laughs> Would you like me to answer some of that question while you look? Oh, yeah, I found it. This was from Dylan. Follow-up. Oh, that's a follow-up. I'll answer that after that. Um, so I think more titles, it's like if you bring another undercard title. But at the same time, for me, on the scheduling, I think there's a way to break up the schedule. St- the way New Japan schedule works is 
better because they do tours. Stardom does tour on the weekend, come back to Tokyo, travel again, right? Instead of having like weeks off at a time. And I think that would maybe benefit them more um, if they went more the New Japan based. But I understand maybe why they don't do that as well. Stardom's used to the schedule. Wrestling is a good thing for wrestlers, believe it or not. So, like, wrestling a lot isn't necessarily the problem. Again, it is how hard these these wrestlers go in these matches. That, I think, is more so than anything. Because, like, if they ease it down, and I'm not blaming the wrestlers for getting hurt. There's a lot of matches. But mm. th- I think they're still adjusting to it. Because they want to give the best show to the crowds that they're seeing. That's never a bad thing. Um, so I think there is adjustment and they definitely are seen as the new Japan, like scheduling and mindset, because that's what they want them to be. They are the second biggest promotion in Japan. Um, so I don't think more shows needs to happen more special pay-per-views where like the, it can be a little bit off. Sure. As long as they don't involve the old people. I think the other thing you've got to remember with the New Japan tours is often they're running them with like half the roster not involved, whether it's the juniors taking a month or two off or the heavyweights taking a month or two off or like half of Bullet Club not being involved in a current tour because the other half are doing things. They have so much uh, larger roster that they can do that kind of thing. Stardom are kind of at the very maximum. I think we're seeing the after effects of maybe pushing that limit too much on how many shows you can do with a set number of people now i think you can definitely make an argument of having say two or three wrestlers taking a tour off every month and just kind of rotating that through and giving people time off while still not you know taking away all of their wrestling i'm not a sports psycho- uh, physiologist i'm not a doctor i don't know the best way to protect people doing a job like this and you know how much rest versus how much rust and all of that i'm not 100 percent sure or you know going 50 percent of the show how much does that protect you uh versus not wrestling at all um but I do think there does need to be maybe discussion of how hard they're going on a lot of these shows, how many shows they're operating on, and hopefully taking away any stigma there might be surrounding working hurt. Last year, we saw a lot of people taking these little one to three week breaks off just for niggling injuries and concerns. We didn't see that as much this year, and now we've got six people out. Azumi is the shining light because it was taking time off for injury precaution. And I would be worried, like, if any time they were going to say, look, Azumi, we need you to strap up your boots and get out there because we're missing a bunch of people. That would have been the time to do it. They gave it a time off, which is great. But even Natsupoy then came out and said she didn't want to take the time off. You know, she had to kind of get told you need to take a break and rest and recover. I worry that there is that kind of mantra in wrestling. You see it a lot, that the people who are willing to work injured and work through struggle are the ones that get, uh, deified and applauded. Just got to look at Cody Rhodes in Hell in Cell, pulling the pec injury that mm-hmm. made him a whole new person in a lot of people's eyes. That's a dangerous precedent to set. Yeah, and we're seeing you know wrestlers start to fall like flies 
the last thing we want to see is another jungle counter situation. I'm not just saying that because she was one of my favorites. She worked through injuries. She came back early from injuries. And the end result was she ended up needing three surgeries at once that took her out for over a year and a half. And then because of other situations, she was out even longer. That's the that's a very dangerous scenario, which when you've got such a competitive market in stardom, you just hope you don't see a repeat of that. But I do worry. Totally agree. Um, I think based off of this year alone, I think they'll get back to, oh, you need you have a few bumps and bruises, take the show off. Hmm. So on and so forth. Um all right, next question. I feel as though Stardom has... Oh, this is from Dylan. Um, I feel as though Stardom has struggled to keep a large portion of his roster effectively involved this year beyond their usual resting, uh, deprioritizing of key wrestlers over time, more so in the past. Do you see this as an issue? If so, do you think there's a way to fix it? Um, simple stories. Um, I think I think New Blood has created that for some of the younger wrestlers, but the problem is New Blood runs so sporadically that it only matters on those shows right and that's by design as well yeah for sure um but i do think i think there is definitely a point an issue um is it an issue it can become one you know because i think you have so many wrestlers that want to have meaningful matches and moments and Mm -hmm. stories that yeah it can be um like for example and I'm going to use Hanan because it's the easiest one to use. Uh, she is someone who obviously dropped the future storm title. And, uh, you know, she, she's now 18. And, you know, she's now ready for the next step in her career. She hasn't done a lot. Hmm. Right. Um, and I think she is someone who you should be slowly building up. And I think there's a conversation to be had with these younger wrestlers. You know, we've always talked about this. You and me have talked about this. They bring some outsider in, they push them. That's fine. I have no problem with Mariah and Suzuki getting pushed. Obviously, I'm a big fan of them, so that's part of the reason I don't care. But that's how you make stars. Hmm. But I do think there's also the other side of things where you want to make stars from your roster as well. So I think using the likes of Hanan in a serious role. Starlight Kid's a good person to focus on, right? She was slotted down after two big years that's perfectly normal um but she is someone who is very popular and very much a big star so i don't think you should be limiting her all too much um same goes for azami and azami kind of by default or by her own doing has kept herself in the conversation um helps that it was her anniversary as well so like that benefited her um, but I focus on them a lot because I think those are the people that take the hits. Like my time has been taking hits for years now. I've just accepted that. She, you know, if they need her, she's ready to go. She's still one of the biggest stars in Japan, let alone stardom. Um, but she's okay. Cause she's, she's locked in, right? It, it's the wrestlers who are down the card. Not the main eventers. I think that need it. So Azami, Starlight Kid, Hanan, Saeed has gotten focused. She's taken advantage of it. She was not even like doing anything for a very Mm. long time there. And I know that upset a lot of people. Um, So I do think that there is a way to fix it. And it's just the simplicity of giving them stories. It doesn't have to be a deep story. It can literally just be like 
for example, I don't like to use other promotions, but New Japan did something with Shota Umino and Renderita with their um, the trios series that they did. That is so simple to keep them in the mm-hmm. conversation while they're not doing something big. Something like that. I'm not saying you need to do a best of seven, but just two wrestlers feuding with each other because they want to be better. And then they come together as a tag team, so forth. Like just stuff like that to shake it up. I think that's a thing that would benefit the part of the roster that's not doing anything. It doesn't have to be this oh, it's humongous story like the Queen's Quest one. It could be as simple as that. But the Queen's Quest one's a good example too, because Utami didn't do anything for a year and a half. Hmm. That was her first story in a long time. And I think that's, again, part of the problem. But it was, again, the natural, let's send you down the card for a little bit as well. Stardom, honestly, have always kind of struggled with telling stories. And I've, I've talked about this before, telling stories outside of their title scene. And typically their title scene is challenger comes in and challenges the champion. They might have a couple of weeks of house shows kind of thing. Then they do the pay-per-view and that's it. And then they move on to the next person. And if you're not in that kind of cycle for a long period of time, it's very easy for you to just kind of get lost in the shuffle. Um, I don't think that's unique to this year. Like when the question kind of said they haven't done a good job of highlighting, uh, and I kind of felt like that's been an issue for a couple of years now. Like the amount of times wrestlers have kind of set up potential stories uh, through their actions in the ring, through their actions on social media, and then nothing really comes of it has been frustrating, but also kind of the point where it's like, if you follow up on these things, you give these wrestlers something to do that aren't in the title scene and you give them stories and you give them meaning. Starlight Kid's the perfect example. Like she is someone who will bite on just about any story that's half presented to her. But this year it's been like, what has she done? She's done the New Blood Tag Championships, which has been off in the corner in its own thing. But outside of that, she's had a very quiet nothing year. And it's a testament to her popularity that she's still as popular as she is because she's not been involved in anything. You know, Azumi had the high-speed rain and then kind of luckily dropped it, then went into the five-star Grand Prix, which she was involved in then the anniversary. So things kind of lined up for her. She was part of the QQ story too. Exactly, yeah. But even in that, so like Kid was like the third or fourth banana. Azumi. No, it's not like kids specifically. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Little fourth banana in that story that that's involved yeah. both of them. Um, but there's a lot of wrestlers that like you look at someone like Mai Sakurai, who's done tremendous work mm. and created such a fascinating character. She's not done that because Stardom have set up a series of stories for her to tell. She's just kind of gone out and done her own thing. And that very much feels like the thing. If you are not a wrestler in a, a title situation, you kind of have to find a way to just make yourself relevant because Absolutely. they don't give you the steps up in that situation. I would like to see that gap bridged a bit more and uh, start them open up those opportunities, but it does very much feel like you have to make something out of nothing in those situations. And this was the follow-up uh, with an additional singles undercard title that belongs to stardom, helpfully be the problem. The reason the stardom own thing is because the New Japan Strong Bell has only helped Julia stay relevant and no one else, which I agree because she's not defending yep. against actual stardom wrestlers. Um, yeah, I've talked about this before many times. Um, a non-Wonder World title for this company or these wrestlers would be very important uh, because 
I think the future, the future, so alienating. And someone mm. gave me a great question actually about that. Um, oh, here we go. This is from at Brian Emaniac. The future of Storm title is the top title singles title for New Blood. Now, obviously, you have limitations for Rookie Challenge for that title. So, my question is: should they should, should they replace it with the New Blood Open Weight Championship? So, kind of open up from the restrictions and kind of make it more of a mid card belt. Um, and I think that's a good thought process, kind of to maybe again fix some of these problems that this belt or not that belt, but overall they have because the high speed has limitations. The SWA mm. had limitations. The future had limitations. I do think an undercard, but the wonder and world have limitations. They just aren't <laughs> official limitations. I do think in some form here of a belt would be very good. Um, an open weight type belt is probably the best way to look at it. Like the never, right? Like the, can't think of any other wrestling companies, um, but like a mid card. Yeah, like, Stardom don't have a traditional mid card belt. Um, I wouldn't sacrifice the future belt in that situation because I think it serves to important a purpose for the young wrestlers. Absolutely, and I understand. You, I, I like the like, mindset where they are coming from. Yeah, so yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I think like once you remove the age slash experience restrictions from it you run the risk of doing what they did at the start of that tour- uh, titles run where they gave it to Atami and no one who needed the belt could viably win it. Yeah. And then she dropped it, Micah won it, and they had the same situation. Uh, yeah. So I think the future title remaining restricted is good. I don't think New Blood as a show needs another singles title because the shows aren't frequent enough for the wrestlers coming in to need a sure. title to fight for. I do kind of agree that, like, for the true mid-card wrestlers in stardom, they kind of might benefit from having a title to work with, even if you're talking your upper mid-carders who just can't seem to get lucky with the white belt, having something for them to come down and fight. Let's go Tora, for example. Yeah, Tora, even like your Hazukis and Micahs, give them a title to kind of get to really crunch their teeth into. Give them an opportunity. And I think, sorry for cutting you off, mm-hmm. I think that title would be great for corkins and stuff like that yes yeah run it at corkins and it's handy like if you're running tons of pay-per-views you split the red and the white belt up the mid-card belt can go on say with the red belts uh show and then the white belt can have the tag belts or something um but i wouldn't bring it in while you've still got these two new japan belts because you also have the issue of if there's 17 belts floating around for 30 wrestlers it is kind of like well it's a bit unnecessary yeah just merge the belts keep the iwgp design but keep the spirit of the strong belt going with that or just That's... give the strong belt to uh mercedes and we'll never see it again that works too <laughs> that'll, be, that, that'll become the aew strong championship yeah they can have it they can have it they can take it um but i do think a mid-card belt would help a lot a real hmm. true mid-card belt because i do the think... white belt people see it as the intercontinental it's not it's too high up on the card it's it's yeah. treated as too much of a big deal for yeah for those the people who need it to really have that chance. Excuse me. Um. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Um. We have a lot of questions. Okay. We're gonna power through some of these right now because this is just tell me to shut up if you need to. Yeah, I will. Um. All right. William Omega asked a lot of questions, so we're gonna go through them 
really quickly. Do you think it's time for Bushi Road to invest in a more simple structure for the Stardom World app for new viewers? Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, I think they should do a lot with the app, but yeah, I'm yeah. not the one in charge of the financials. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think getting an advanced new Stardom World would be great. Um, can Stardom be considered their sec- uh, the, the second promotion when they still sell under 1000 for their smaller shows? Well, everyone does outside of New Japan, so yes, easily. Yeah. And Stardom um, run a lot of small towns. Like, a, a yeah. lot of these other promotions that you're comparing them to, they're not running Niigata and... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other places. Shizuoka, maybe. Like, it's they're, they're running Tokyo, Osaka, uh, Fukuoka, Hiroshima. Like, they're, they're running the main places. Stardom, the whole... Like, they were bragging about running, like, nearly all of the prefectures just this year yeah. alone. The result of that is you'll eat some smaller numbers, even when you don't have half of your roster injured. Uh, but, like, the long-term benefits is that you make fans there, and when you go back and tour there in a couple of years' time, you're drawing more people there, and you've got fans that you wouldn't otherwise have. Okay, I think the simple answer was everyone does under a 1,000 <laughs> for their smaller you know me. I talk in Japan. So uh, it that's just a Japan thing. That's not yeah. a stardom thing. Even do, even New Japan does for their smaller shows. So uh, yeah, they're easily number two. Um, with the YouTube channel hitting one million, do you think it's time they start upgrading the promotion pro, uh, um, promotion side of the show and add English commentary? It's not happening. Well, I mean, if you look at the people who are subscribing to the Stardom YouTube channel, they should be they're focusing on the right people. They're focusing India's, India's the market, and in the they're now focusing on the right people with the sell. Yeah. You know, this uh, this upcoming weekend is the. Bushiroad Expo. They have sent mm-hmm. Shuri, Mina Shirakawa, Wakasukiyama, and Yuna Mizumori over there to give a stardom tournament. They're also having uh, Macha and Jenny wrestle on their show. Um, Mina has already teased. She's going to have one of them pretty much join Club Venus. So they're doing the right things. English mm-hmm. isn't the focus right now. It is there, and they're doing. That's what they should be focusing on. The one thing potentially, though, is if you are targeting Southeast Asia as a whole, rather than one specific country there, you might you might see an uptick in English support just because sure. instead of having Thai support and Malaysian support, um, it's just easy to use the language everyone kind of learns as a second language there, um, which is English. So you might find a little bit of added support there, but it's not because of... Uh, Westerners following Stardom it's because they're trying to break in. Like, if they really were targeting the people signing up on YouTube, Donna Del Mondo are going to come out in Adidas tracksuits and do the Slavic crouch. Uh, yes, I think you're right. Uh, do you think next year Stardom should have a reset in terms of the amount of titles there are and who's in what faction? No. I mean, you'll see natural faction changes, and I think with Suzu and all the free agents, there's going to be a bit of movement through the first half of next year anyways. Um, I always prefer when it's done through natural storytelling rather than, let's do a draft, as much fun as that is. Yeah. Um, In terms of the amount of titles, like I said, you can get rid of the strong at any time. No no feeling towards that belt. Um, <laughs> last one. Do you think Stardom should have their own partnerships with Western promotions like Impact to give new avenues to wrestlers? I think they should have 
partnerships. Yes, that is what we are doing with the Thailand stuff, you know, was set up. That's a start. I think I think having partnerships is a benefit to all. Um, unless it's AEW, of course. We don't want that. Um, because that upsets people. <laughs> In all seriousness, I do think it is smart because it is a like you're not exchanging all the time, but like would I want Deanna Perrazzo on a stardom show? Sure. Why yeah. not? I have no problem with that. Um I do think it's a way, but there's so many young wrestlers out there that they can go and find like a Mariah May and make their own kind of star. And I think that's just as exciting, if not more exciting uh, for them, because look at what Mariah May became for them. Yeah. Right. And Megan Bain right now, it, it, it works. They benefit a lot from that. They are the top women's promotion in the world. If they find a women's wrestler that they want on their show that isn't signed to a company, and they're willing to come to Japan, which a lot of them, I'm sure, are. It works out. Um, yeah, thank you like for it, all those questions, William Omega. C- continue, Trent. I was just going to say, like, it, it's obviously valuable. Um, I think as much as anything, too, like, if you have, like, your Atami situations where they want to go and perform in America for a couple of weeks, having a promotion that kind of can help set that up and support you with that is it's just smart it makes it easier for everyone and it also means you can kind of keep not keep an eye on the talent while they're doing these tours but it gives you a, a safety net with what they're doing which i think is also important to keep in mind is some of these talent do want to perform beyond japan and even southeast asia um yes uh next question if tana Khan is still world star champion after gold rush who do you see facing her at dream queen of 2023 how about suzu if she manages to take the belt the same answer, Saya Kamtani. <laughs> yeah, like Suzu would make things a little bit more interesting because you might wonder if they're going to throw someone maybe bigger than Saya Kamtani. Nope, Saya already ruined that. Yeah, yeah, it's Saya. Uh, do you believe Stardom has trust in Hazuki and Koguma, or are they destined to never reach a high level due to their earlier retirement? Um, I think they definitely trust Suzuki and Koguma because they put them in all these big spots that they kind of need trustworthy people in um i do What's think Kogama's ceiling huh? i feel like uh, what is kogama's ceiling i feel yeah, like I think she's she... not about it already i think her the only thing i could have seen her do since coming back other than tag titles trios titles is winning the high speed and even mm-hmm. then there's been the right people in those spots to have that belt yeah. um in terms of suzuki sadly she has retired twice so if that is the case i get it yeah. However, however, I think she's proven it's different this time around, just based off of the way she interacts with the roster and does a lot for them publicly and stuff like that. Um, I still hope someday Hazuki gets her moment, but I don't think it's like that because I do think they trust them mm-hmm. a lot, those two. That's why they kind of make them the anchor of their tournament every year. I know Tagley's not as important, but you put them in that tournament, they can carry a lot of it. And uh, they put them in those matches because they can carry a lot of it. So I think there's... And tra- they're in the cage matches and they're in the ladder matches. Like there's definitely... I can understand maybe if there was concern of them retiring or leaving again. Um, Kagama, I think like this is kind of her ceiling. I don't... To me, she's not a uh, wonder or world champion. Hazuki, I would like to see her get that opportunity. I don't know whether she will... Uh, I think she's earned the right to be ha- have a risk taken on her if that's the way they're looking at it. But uh, all right, now we're going to Discord questions. Uh, Ken 
Mech789. So it's probably still too soon to tell, and other evidence suggests otherwise. But was Yokohama Arena the peak of this growth spurt for now? Um, I think that's a fair thing to ask because, well, we can always wait on the Sumo Hall show because Sumo Hall is obviously a big venue. Most likely, yes, that is their biggest show ever. You don't just do those. Like, the next era of stardom is now. To me, I always counted All-Star Grand Queendom as the end of that era. We're in a new one moving forward. So I do think, yeah, it is the end of that growth spurt unless they do a humongous number at Sumo Hall, which would be great, and I wouldn't rule it out. But the just the the way they built that show up, it was supposed to be their biggest show ever, mm-hmm. right? And it delivered in every realm. So for now, I do think you're right, Ken. I think there is reason to believe for now that is the spurt but they have big lofty goals we are to me again in a new era so whatever the next big number is is part of something different they had an incredible year incredible two years there they got to emphasize that with their biggest show ever now it's back to building to their next biggest show ever yeah, well, I, I think it depends how you're sort of breaking up errors and stuff like that. Um, I, I do think you're looking at a bit of a downswing after Grand Queendom. It could feel like that's the sort of the bar that they're going to be at for a while. I would withhold saying anything like that until we see what they do for Grand Queendom next year because, yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a new, smaller venue. venue it's a smaller venue, but, like, it was a very big venue that they were using there, and they got – it's – that wasn't like, oh, we've hit the max that we can fill in here. Like, they can still do more uh, in this new venue that they're using. Uh, to me, it's just like, you know, you had Mercedes coming in, you had Himeka retiring, you had the quote-unquote conclusion to the biggest story they've told for the past couple of years. Um, you had Fuwa Chan there as well. Like, it was a show they threw literally everything at. What do they do for it next year? You know, it might be that they don't reach the same heights because they don't try to reach the same heights in that sort of sense of what they bring in and everything. But it will give us an idea after we sort of see the booking for that show, whether it's something they can do next year or whether it takes more of a long-term reset and rebuild. I think there's also unique ways to look at it too because, like, they just – like, obviously I think what in the meaning of this is their biggest number – But if we're looking at it and just overall like booming attendance right now, no, like they just like I said earlier, biggest Yokohama Budokan uh, number of the year for anyone that's not the Crush Gals. So like that tells me they're fine, they're still building, they're still getting big attendances. But in terms of like the biggest show for now, sure. But if they if they pack Sumo Hall, get more than they've ever had there, if they um, do the – is it the Boon Tie? Boon, the, boon Tie is the new one they're doing. Yeah, if they do a big number there, it's like, okay, well, there's obviously numbers. It's just a matter of what's the venue they're running at that mm. point. So I, it's different ways to look at it in terms of, like, the top, top biggest show they've ever had for now, sure. But I do think they still will have these great big – numbers and attendance moving forward because 
Um, I still think they're a hot product, even despite the recent trend. I mean, it's there's a lot of injuries. Um, this is from Heart Editing. Do you think stardom should do a better job at elevating younger talent in positions so that when injuries occur um, at the top level, they have a better leg to stand on and slot in some of the younger folks? Well, we kind of talked about this earlier, right, with Hanan, Azumi, Starlight Kid, Raka, Saida. This goes on and on. And I do think that they should be taking advantage of this to do so with tag league and so on. So that, because I think that even with the six wrestlers out, I, I don't know about you. And I think people do feel it, but I don't feel it as much as I thought I would watching these shows, because I just think they have so much talent. And if you can take advantage of this tag league, which is why I looked at this tag league in a different way from a lot of other people, a lot of people were underwhelmed with it. But to me, I saw an opportunity for Miyu Amasaki. I saw an opportunity for Hanan. I saw opportunities for Maceras. The list goes on and on to get bigger reps and get bigger moments. Sure, they're not going to be these unbelievable tags every single night, but that's okay because you build them up. Miyu Amasaki has benefited so much from just tag matches. And some people need levels, but I do think like giving Hanan a Wonder of Stardom title match, giving Azumi a Wonder of Stardom title match, like these things are things that they should be doing sooner rather than later because that brings them to another level, even if they're not winning the titles. I, I do think they need to be willing to push some of the younger talent a little bit more, but that's mm-hmm. I think they should be willing to do that anyways. Yeah. Uh, when you sort of – it's an awkward situation because, like, looking at the current setup, they can't even really build the next – you know, sort of use a lot of the talent they still have because it is the tag league. If this was a normal sort of pay-per-view cycle, you'd have Julie that you can elevate into a main position. You've got Mayu who you can elevate into a main position. You've got Momo Watanabe, Hazuki, you can all elevate Micah. Suzu Suzuki, you using them in these high-profile situations to cover for Yanatsa Poise and Tam Nakano's Saikamitani's and Itami's. But because we're doing the tag league right now, you just can't really do that naturally and make it compelling. Um, yes, build up the next generation so you've got more people you can slot in these positions. But I think if this was randomly in May, it wouldn't be that big a deal, but it's combined with the tag league. Um, and also, like realistically how often are you going to have six wrestlers of this caliber all out at once even with the schedule this is just a a horror situation wwe lose six of their top stars from raw all at once they're gonna struggle new japan loses okada and tanahashi and um suji and shingo all at once they're going to really struggle even if they have been building up that next generation like it's just horrific timing to have so many good people all at once out one thousand percent it's just bad luck right Mm. at the end of the day um all right more discord questions um what can this is from roxy what can stardom do to become a promotion that can entice foreign talent to work for them longer um so pretty much like not use them as a stepping stone and leave stuff like that sadly there's not much they can do because at the end of the day, when you're bringing in talent from America or another country, their goal in my mind is always going to be still WWE, AEW being paid more money to wrestle, right? Stardom talent are 
from everything I've ever read, heard, they get paid very well. But at the end of the day, they're not paying as much as WWE and AEW. Mm. It's just not going to happen. So for them, it's just continuing to build up wrestlers and give them opportunities and pretty much do what they've been doing for years. Like Jamie Hayter, Bea Priestley, they were staying for a long time. COVID's mm. more the reason they left than anything else. Um, right? Bea Priestley pretty much signed because she was going to stick in the UK for a while with WWE UK or NXT UK, whatever the hell it's called. Um, Jamie Hayter just never came back. She was going to mm. be a big part of what they were doing. So it's like if you put an emphasis on them, like a Mariah May for nine months, it's going to do a lot. I think what they did with Mariah May will make people want to come over more. Yeah. Um, it's it, not everyone's a techless situation. There's also a commitment of wanting to live in Japan and stay in Japan, which is another big leap, right? Like there's that's some the biggest people... issue, I think. Yeah, and I mean, you hear conversations from like Osprey and you know other wrestlers that come over for New Japan. It's like not everyone is com- that committed. It's more. It's not a stardom problem. More of a does the wrestler want to commit themselves to it? I would yeah. love to say, yeah, that'd be great. And hopefully, because I do think based off Alex Singh coming in and what they did last year, we have a lot more foreigners coming in soon, um, which is exciting. Um, but Rossi's Rossi and company aren't going to change how they book these foreigners. They make these foreigners better. They make them come back better and, and, that's good like that's good for wrestling Mm. Um, hopefully some one two three can stick over the next year or two but if that doesn't happen it's just because you know living in japan getting a bigger contract things like that it's just so hard to so hard to make someone do that yeah i think people underestimate how difficult it is to expect someone to pack up their world and move to a country where they don't speak the language the culture is different the expectations are different Getting someone like a Tekla or even like your B Priestleys from when she was there regularly, they're very rare. They're diamonds in the rough in that respect. And the other difficult thing is with AEW as it is and WWE having really upped their game when it comes to women, it's no longer the pl- like the safe place to go. Like someone like Viper and do now Dewdrop or Piper Niven, like when she was coming up through stardom, WWE wasn't an option for her because they wouldn't have been interested in someone like her. AEW wasn't an option because it didn't exist. So for someone like her, working stardom made the most sense. Now, WWE are interested in talent like her. AEW provides a platform for her to work. Even the American scene has grown in general for women. So for someone to come to stardom and stay there long, long term, it's no longer kind of the best option necessarily as opposed to coming in, doing what Mariah May did, come in for nine months, make yourself a star and make the checkbook that AEW and WWE open up for you that much more enticing. Essentially price yourself out of stardom as much as it was. You know, I'm sure Rossi would have taken her back and had her there for years, but it's not easy if you're basing it on do I stay in Japan where it's difficult maybe to live or do you go to America where they speak the language and everything's a bit more what you expect? And probably the money is a bit better too. You'd have to find someone who just loves stardom so much. That's where they want to work. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I, it, it's, just, it's hard. It's not something mm. that I think Star can do. They do the best. They book these people to matter, right? It's, yeah. it's more of do these people want to stay in Japan? Um, mm. They did the best they could do with Mariah May in nine months. Yep. Um, all right. Um, someone asked about uh, Daddy Torgo asked about investing in the roster. Um, whether it's by raising pay or allowing Rossi to bring in more full or part-timers in order to reduce the strain on so many talents. Like I said, with the pay, everything I've ever been told, it's very good. Um, and it I depends mean, on Bushi, right? Ultimately. Yeah. Uh, also, Mayu Yatani has a designer bag for every day of the week. So is, <laughs> yeah. have you seen Saki Kashima's shoe collection? I know. Uh, like, I think the main roster, I think it's more of, um, they're definitely they have to be they're probably allowed to bring in more but it's, it's a boucher out thing mm. like what when will they start investing in the rock i don't know hopefully now i mean they keep they can't keep pumping them up at these joint presentations being like yeah they're doing everything right in new japan new japan did stuff right? <laughs> it's like well we're not going to show the numbers for new japan we're just gonna be like, yeah, we're still the top company. That's almost like, the problem, though, isn't it? Like, Stardom's making all this money, and you kind of don't want to eat into that investment. Like, yeah. long term, it makes sense, but like short term, this is classic sort of capitalism. It's like, well, yeah. we're making all this money at the current setup. Let's not risk that by spending yeah. a whole bunch of extra money into it. Yeah. I think they bring in more foreigners. Like I said, I think that's part. And they probably mm-hmm. sign more roster members. That's what they yeah. do at the year end. We saw that last year. We'll see it again this year. Um, this is from James. Why do Bushiroad have a Halloween gimmick show coming up, but they still won't bring back the greatest gimmick matches, the Mass Fiesta and Costume Change Battle Royal? Why do they hate fun? I, uh, Trent's ready to freak out. Uh, you should check out the Stardom Road episode about Mass Fiesta and Costume Change Battle Royal that just came out this week on any podcast platform. James, I don't know why they don't. It's right there. It's so easy. Please do it. I saw this question asked. I was like, ah, oh, Trent's being on the show. Okay. Yeah, no, they should. Um, because I think it's something that makes people more interested in their shows based off Dream Tag Festival, for example. Mm-hmm. They like that yeah. crazy stuff. So um, hopefully they bring it back. Use the talent you've got. That's what the people want to see in these situations. Um, so I saved one of my thoughts. from earlier um about changes they should make and resets and stuff like that for this question so optimistically speaking who would you want to be red and white belt champion heading into next year's all-star grand queendom and i save this because part of the reset that i think would help stardom a lot is new champions at the top because of the mess that this year was while i love mirai Love Mariah. Well, I understand Tan Makano is one of, if not the biggest, most popular stars in the company. I think resetting, getting new champions would do them a lot of good right now. Um, I think, and it almost doesn't even matter to me who those people are. I just think it would do a lot for storytelling and moving forward because, like we said with Mariah and beating Tam, it's just like hanging over her head and stuff like that. Um, that's my biggest problem. Um, well, not biggest problem, but I think that's my biggest solution is to reset in terms of who I want to see enter All Star. Is that what it said? All Star Grand Queendom next year? Who do I want to see? 
Uh, for biggest stories, I like I'll go on a non-personal bias. Mayu Itani wins everything situation. So the answer is Hanan wins everything. <laughs> no, but I'd like Hanan to have a Wonderstorm title match by then. That's all I'm asking for. I'm, that's the thing. I'm not asking for wins here. Susan, I might be asking for a win, but I'm not asking for wins here. Um, so All Star Grand Queendom biggest show. Um, I'm guessing Tam's going to be the champion heading into that, but do I want her to be? No, I think it, I think there's intrigue, but here's the thing. I have to use my brain here. Who's getting title matches between now and then, and where would they be willing to change the world title at? It's either dream, it's either uh, dream queen at the end of the year or not at all. Right. To me, like I don't think they're gonna change the world title at random show number seven. I think they need to be willing to do so at the pay per views. Like even if it's well, you got the wonder change, pal. That was it. You get the wonder change on any pay per view, not the world title. They should. They should. Um, In terms of making the most interesting story, I would love if you ran. Micah and Suzu as one title match because I think that's a story people are invested in that doesn't need to be world. It just needs to be one of them. Um, and I think I got in my head, I'm leaning Sayu Tommy. That would be the other because for me, it's more title matches than the actual titles. Like, I don't mm-hmm. that doesn't matter to me, but I think that would do a lot of good for them building around their future. Um, yeah, kind of going with the new era, new generation, new golden generation thing. You know, the generational struggle was a big thing this year. I think having four out of that crop, having big matches at that show is how you keep building forward. Um, reality is, will it be like Julia again? Possibly. Like, um, I'd like I, to see Julia in that position, but I don't want it to be vibrating Tam. Right oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's, uh, I think Julie is perfect for the kind of – because it was almost like, yeah, after after she won the title was when they started to experiment with a lot of these things and where it's sort of – she never got the chance to do with the rain what could have been. Um, right. So it'd be kind of nice to sort of get that second chance, but I don't want it to be through Tam. So, like, it's not going to happen in time for Grand Queendom, unfortunately. Sai versus Tami, I think, is a very – tempting matchup given what we've talked about i do hope it's better than their last singles match against each other i do think it would be i think it um, would be because it would be mm. the main event yeah yeah they, they would have it all on them because it ain't gonna be the wonder <laughs> yeah I, I think a lot of it yeah is you just kind of need a natural kind of reset from this year and that might just come simply by entering 2024 and kind of maybe shedding some of the things that were causing issues i don't know truthfully the best people to put in grand queendom because it is ultimately so close to dream queendom and our current situation um yeah i think it's more just approaching things a bit more traditionally to what they had been doing absolutely um yeah it's I mean, if I have my champions, for my interest level, and what match would it lead to, 
if Tam is keeping the belt, I would do Tam versus Mayu. At there Ultimate we go. Grand Queendom. I think that is your biggest match right now. Um, obviously, I think it's fine if Mayu loses because you finally give Tam that big win. But she would have the belt long enough that she could also lose. Just saying. <laughs> uh, but I do think that's like the big match you want to book for that mm. scenario if you're not going to go with the New Age. But if you're not going with the New Age with the world title, you should with the Wonder. And yeah. in that respect, I'm guessing Mirai probably keeps it. But if she didn't, um, and say at the year end they give it to a Micah or something, then it would be Micah and Suzu. Mm. I think the I think Tam and I'm I'm staying with Mike and Suzu. I just think that's like the more interesting story that they can tell as a long term story that is so such a staple to stardom. Um, I think that would be great. And then you can build up Utami and Saya for tag titles, like you said. I think that'd be a good run. Um so yeah, I think I think um ultimately if we're keeping at least one of the champions, Tam and Mai is the one I'd go with for there. Cause it's not one, it's not Tam and Julia. And two, I think the story with Tam and Mayu is selfishly one of the best stories you could tell. Well, it's the most interesting story that's sort of just sitting as it is because it's been building for years. And the whole point is, Tam, for everything she's accomplished, hasn't beat Mai. That's the mm-hmm. one thing hanging over her head. And yeah. Grand Queendom, I think, would be the perfect big match situation to hold it in. And, yeah, yeah I, I'd love to see Utami and Tam in that situation because I think their chemistry is amazing and put them in that situation, I think they would put on an absolute Another bang of a match. match. The story just isn't there. And I, yeah, ultimately, they'd have to tell it. They'd have to yeah. tell it, and I don't know how you tell that without it, it, it. It wouldn't come across like you look at the Julia and Tam match from this year. Yeah, that had a lot of story behind it. Yeah, and even Mina versus Sai had a lot of story behind it. Tam and Utami don't have enough organic story. It would have to be quite heavily forced. Yeah. Um, unless you're just going with stop imitating me, which isn't really the the grounds for the biggest match of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think Tam and Mayu would be like what I would go with. Um, Mm. I thought that would be be a good fill-in if Saya wasn't ready this year. Mm. We've talked about this. It's a perfect Dream Queen to match. And uh, we have one more question on Discord, one last one on Twitter, and then I can stop. Uh, well, these are kind of two in one. Uh, why did they stop live streaming the new blood events that they've been touting how hot their YouTube channel has been? There's a lot here. You think getting all these new eyes on upcoming talent would be something they want to do? Um, something about Star Stardom World is you know you can't live stream stuff like that. Um, you'd prioritize Stardom World given the six they have with New Japan World. Um, and to add, why have they stopped doing English commentaries for big shows uh, when money isn't an issue, as said? Uh, okay. Kind of hit the English commentary earlier. It's just not their focus. Um, in terms of new blood events, I have no idea. Uh, running shows is money, and maybe that's why. Like, running shows live is money. Um, but I think they should do it because that's eyes on your product. Now, I think they should, like, 
truthfully, truthfully, they should live stream the Booster Road Expo matches more than anything else because of where those are happening and mm-hmm. where the boom in their subscribers came. I would live stream that more than anything else. I think live stream Booster Road, uh, the new bloods would be great, but I've just accepted that's not what they want to do anymore. And maybe because again, they see that as more premium content. It's funny because the shows have gotten a lot better and they're not live anymore. Um, <laughs> But it doesn't, it doesn't, it'll never make sense to me because, like you said, that, like you said, Blade, um, the, uh, the subscribers have went up. You'd think you'd give some live shows to that. Um, I would put them back on there, but I put something on there. I think the expos mm-hmm. are a perfect thing to give. I know, again, just do a hard, like, you just need to do a hard cam. I don't need amazing camera work either. I mean, the basics here, you know? I I don't get the new blood thing. Like I didn't get it when they started it. Like I was surprised. Like oh, you, you're giving the young talent from outside of your promotion this kind of really unique opportunity to make a lot of new fans for people tuning in free live streams and stuff. I never really got it then. And then pulling it, I don't get why you do it and then stop doing it. Uh, I'm sure they have their reasons. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear them. Uh, but I yeah, I think. Because Stardom World is ultimately people are hesitant to sign up to new products, especially when it's maybe not when it's a Japanese product and you're in America and like you worry about credit cards and all that. And when you've got pay per views at 50 bucks a a pop, I think it makes a lot of sense to provide something on YouTube that's live streamed for free, even if it's not uh, consistent. Just every now and again, here's a show we're running, we're going to do it for a live stream, kind of like they have every now and again. I do think there's a real benefit in that because it's the perfect way to bring people on who might be hesitant about the product. Live wrestling is always more interesting than taped wrestling and free content that you can just easily share is always going to be more advantageous than going, there's this amazing match that is paywalled. But again, that's maybe not what they're looking at. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a fair question. Um, the English commentary I've given up on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they may like in the in the part of the question they brought up like how you would have thought you want to do it for Kyrie and Kyrie matches and stuff like that. They did it for Mercedes. Mercedes mm-hmm. comes back, they'll do it for, again for Mercedes. Um but otherwise, like I think Charlton and Sonny did a great job. And Mariah May, yeah, Mariah May, who yep. filled in for Momo Kogo on the run. Like, I think they did a great job on that broadcast. I'd happily see them do it again hmm. um, because I just think, like, that was so simple for people. They enjoyed it. Um, and I think Charles was keen to, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully, maybe someday, but he's he has a whole nother job, too, so you got to remember that. Um, I'm Vel, just saying. I've never done commentary in my life, so that's useless to you. But uh, I, I commentate matches all the time when I'm watching it, and I have really yeah. insightful things to say. And I, some would even say I say it in English. So just putting it out there. Uh, final question. This is from Peps from earlier. The injury of Mina changed a lot in t- starting of 2023. The booking that followed, Mina getting a short run, Susie winning a five-star, different. Uh, Mariah winning Cinderella two times, title belt changes was questionable and random. So it feels Rossi changed up, messed up the entire year there. Should start more often and just stick to their plans instead of doing changes to keep everyone happy. We 
think we hit this on the nail earlier of how I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like if it's one way or another. Yeah, uh-huh. you gotta like if you're gonna change plans, you gotta just change everything. You can't mm. try to keep both. Um, like Sai and Tam at Queen instead of the five star winner. Like that feels like you're getting on track there, assuming that's what they do. Yeah, I do. I think Mariah winning Cinderella was always gonna happen, obviously, mm. but mm. you should have changed that if <laughs> Mina was gonna win the belt, right? It's things yeah. like that. Um, the five star for Suzu. You didn't really have a choice there. You had to have someone win. <laughs> you know, it's like once Silas out, you're like, oh, well, we gotta have someone win. Um, tag belt changes. Tag belt, tag belt. <laughs> like that's that's. Um, but I do think staying on track, staying up to date, and getting back on track for this end of the year. Remember the whole conversation. The reason this turned into a conversation at the beginning of this was I wanted to talk about the state of stardom. Right, the attendance is wonky right now not so great um stardom is injured (laughs) they're just beat up um and i think there is a perfect medium where you just you take the losses as they are you get everyone rocked and ready and loaded and ready to go for stardom dream queendom and you blast off from there for next year you get back on track you tried a lot of new things this year some things worked, some things didn't you take what worked run with that um, and you focus, and I, I will put this more importantly than other. I love the outsiders coming in. I think that's how we got Suzuki and this company to begin with, and so on and so forth. But focus on your roster first and foremost. Yeah. Roster that's signed. That doesn't mean you can't focus on the new signees. That's fine by me, as long as they're signed. Because like Trent said earlier, main eventing shows with Risa Sarah and and you, well, she didn't main event, but she was top match. Like I don't, I just don't think Stardom Crab wants that. They want their the wrestlers that they're invested in doing so. And that's what brought stardom to the dance. What's mm. brought stardom to greatness, right? Over the past couple of years, Shuri versus Utami. Um, Julia versus Shuri. Tam versus Julia. Azumi versus Starlight Kid. These are all the big highlights. Sayakamatani versus Suzuki. Sayakamatani versus Tam. Saya had a lot of big matches. You get the point. Saya versus Mina. Like that is what makes people excited about stardom. Um and I think that's where you go back to. You just lean on the best roster in the world, but let them get healthy. Do whatever you need to do. Take a few things on the chin. That's okay. As like now's the time back. when you bring in the outsiders, when you're missing a bunch of main <laughs> eventers. That, that's when you say, Reese Sarah, do you want a payday? Mario Kihi, you want a payday? And then when everyone's healthy, that's when you keep the stardom roster front and center. Absolutely. Get back to the plans or... If you're going to adjust plans, completely adjust plans mm. um, because it's just the best way to do it. Now, I'm not going to tell Rossi how to book. Rossi knows how to book. Rossi books great shows year year in and year out. Um, I'm looking at a Gold Rush show that is very much up my alley with the top two matches alone. Like that is booking for me, essentially. Um, but for that last year-end show, all hands on deck. All hands on deck. That's how we get back on track. But, uh, Trent, we are finally done here. Thankfully, it only was um, forever. Um, how, where can people find you? What do you have coming up? Uh, so if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter slash X at One Up Culture. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see it under my handsome face um, using the number one. What do I have coming up? Good question. Uh, I don't know. 
it's a mystery at this stage. I'm sure I'll produce something at some point. Uh, I do have Ocean Cyclone Show. We're recording that um, this weekend. That won't drop this weekend. It'll come out, I think, in a weekend or two after. But they're always fun if you like our interactions. And if you're here two hours and 20 minutes into this recording or if you've been watching on YouTube however long, clearly you don't mind us. So come check that out with uh, Ryan as well. We are once a month on the Wrestling Podcast Network, uh, free to check out. So please do. Check it out. Um, for me, got an interview from Tsukiyoki over on Fightful.com. Interviewed the owner, uh, the Joshi Pod of Kitsune Women's Wrestling over on Ring Post Radio. That's an audio. Ibuki is a written one. Have an interview set up hopefully for next week, which is exciting. That'll be on Fightful. Um, there's also an interview from Mizuki over on Fightful.com and I have another interview in the works written that will eventually show up. Um, but yeah, we're working. I'm just getting buried here. What have I got coming up? Oh, maybe a podcast and you're like seven interviews. Here's the thing. This is the first thing I've remembered what I have going on. Uh, (laughs) if you, if anyone's listened to the past couple of shows that I've done with Trent, I'm like, ah, nothing. (laughs) So, uh, for Trent, I'm Scott until next time. See ya. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.